I judge them, honestly. I, I judge them negatively. I say they must not have good willpower and they failed and all you have to do is eat less and move more, right? So I said, you know what? I'm gonna go on a diet. I'm Dr. Harrington, I could do this. And I failed, I failed miserably. And I, I thought I was eating less and I was gaining weight. Welcome back to another episode of the Plant-Based DFW podcast show with Dr. Riz and Maya, where we discuss topics related to lifestyle medicine. In this episode, you will meet Dr. Scott Harrington, your vegan primary care physician who is now practicing telemedicine and licensed in 42 states, including Texas. So make sure to listen to the entire episode to learn how you can get started as a patient. Dr. Harrington will also tell us about why he became vegan and how he works with his patients via telemedicine. He will also share with us a little about his background in the military and his deployment to Afghanistan. Stick around till the end because I have a question for you guys. Hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe to our channel to hear more great episodes like this one. Links to our YouTube channel, newsletter, podcast, and links for our guests are also located in the show notes. And today's guest is Dr. Scott Harrington. He has been practicing family medicine for over 17 years. While he began his career using standard methods, Dr. Harrington personally adopted a plant-based diet in 2012. Since then, he experienced dramatic improvement in his energy levels exercise endurance, and recovery time. His weight, blood pressure, and blood sugar, along with hormone levels, all normalized. This convinced Dr. Harrington to focus on teaching patients what he learned and the effects were impressive. Many patients suffering with chronic illnesses improved dramatically, and many were able to stop all medications. Welcome, Dr. Harrington. Thank you for having me. I feel so lucky to be on your show. I'm so happy that we were able to communicate right away. You posted that you're open for business in some of the vegan Facebook groups that I'm part of. And I was really excited to hear about that. And I think you got really good response. Um, let's start with telemedicine and how that works. I have been working in telemedicine and urgent care uh, for a while and decided to open my own practice. Um, try, with urgent care, you only have so much time to tell people about the plant-based diet, and I think that's the most powerful message that we could give our patients right now because it's uh, such a, a strong effect, a healing effect. So I decided, hey, I want to open my own practice, and through my telemedicine experience and working with these telemedicine companies, I've accumulated licenses over the years. Right now, I, I have uh, 42 states. And, and counting. So the goal is to be nationwide to offer this service uh, anywhere you live in the United States, eventually Guam and uh, Puerto Rico and the uh, and American territories as well. Well, the vegan community is very happy to have you on board. Um, so I said in the past, you know, that we tend to have people reach out to us and ask us if we can refer them to a primary care physician who's vegan. Um, a lot of times movies such as uh, Forks Over Knives or The Game Changers encourage people to get on board and then they do so they adopt the plant-based diet and then we turn back to the physician to excitingly tell them about the change and the physicians sort of frown on these changes and that can be very discouraging so we're happy to know that there's someone like yourself who can actually encourage us along the way that's a great point uh i i, I think that it goes it speaks to how uh when, when you're making behavior change uh it might be uh, related to the people around you or 
sometimes you just have a cognitive dissonance. Like how, how could uh, such a diet be that uh, healthful when, you know, the diet I eat is, is fine. You know, are you saying my diet's bad? So yeah, I think a lot of doctors don't adopt it or just are willfully ignorant about the, um, the evidence. So tell us about your vegan journey. Well, um, my background is in the military. I went to West Point. Uh, I, you know, I deployed to Afghanistan for over two years and a very pragmatic uh, uh, style of medicine. Uh, and so o- over the years, though, you gain one or two pounds a year. The natural standard American diet you gain. And uh, in the Army, they make you run. <laughs> and and uh, you get, you know, a little heavier. It's harder to meet the requirements. And I want to excel. So, you know, I told lots of my patients, oh, you have to go on a diet. And I judged them, honestly, I, I judged them negatively. I said, they must not have good willpower and they failed. And all you have to do is eat less and move more, right? So I said, you know what? I'm going to go on a diet. I'm Dr. Harrington. I could do this. And I failed. I failed miserably. And I, I thought I was eating less and I was gaining weight. So right during that time, that was 2011. And then in 2012, I saw forks over knives and it was just like my blinders were taking off, taken off. I uh, immediately, uh, I, I bought it basically hook, line and sinker and, and, and went all in and um, my health improved uh, in every dimension. You know, it was, it was amazing. It was like a miracle, uh, but it was so simple. And I was almost, I almost couldn't believe it. You know, I went down to my 18 year old weight, you know, in just a couple of months, I, heartburn went away, blood pressure, you know, was mildly elevated, improved, everything got better. Uh, and, and so now it's my primary focus with my patients is trying to convince them, giving them tips and tricks to, to get on this way of eating. And you know, the Forks Over Knives movie continues to impact a lot of people. It's amazing that that's the movie that got you on board. Uh, you also mentioned that, you know, when you were in the military, you tried to convince some of the special forces soldiers to go vegan. What was that like? Oh, man. So can you imagine? Can you imagine these guys? They tend to be, you know, men are the last sort of group to, uh, you know, eating meat seems kind of a manly thing. You know, we hunt and we're tough, you know, and, 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 and so men, especially like these elite special forces type people would be sort of the last people you'd expect to adopt this uh, type of, uh, of way of eating. And uh, they're really focused on, Oh, we got to get a lot of protein. And so for me, it was, it was very tough. It was, it was a uphill battle, but I, I was leading by example. You know, I, I let that, that's how you do it. You have to, you have to show uh, uh, in, in the army and military, you have to be the one who goes up the hill first and say, follow me. And so uh, I, I think that was the, the, best, the best thing I could do. Was it hard eating plant-based foods while you were deployed? Luckily, my deployments were before I was completely 100% vegan. I, I, I did, uh, later on, I did uh, deploy to Kuwait uh, uh, another time. So I've been deployed several times. But uh, it, when I was deployed to Kuwait, uh, in general, the military provides fresh fruits and vegetables. If you're in a, a, in a garrison environment, a, a big base, uh, they, they offer you fruits and vegetables, big salad bars. They're really, they're really accommodating. Uh, but when you're out on a small base and they provide the meals ready to eat, uh, there are still things you can eat. I, just like when you are in a, a, a restaurant or you're out, uh, you're as a vegan, you're always looking for the side dishes and the, the plant-based options. And, and for the most part, you can, you can get along. 
you can get along. And, and even in the military, you can get along. I want to read a quote um, from your website that I really like. It says that your goal is not really uh, to rely on the Western model of medicine, such as managing chronic conditions solely with pills, but rather to use plant-based nutrition to achieve optimal health. And you also include exercise and quality relationships. This sounds a little bit like lifestyle medicine. Uh, do you apply that as well to your practice? When you're becoming a family medicine doctor, they, they're always teaching first things first, you try lifestyle medicine, but most doctors don't really pay attention to that step one. They just kind of throw it away and, and go straight to the pills because the time is getting more and more compressed uh, with the, each visit. I do like uh, what I hear at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. I'll actually be attending their conference later on this month. Most of the doctors uh, that are highlighted through the Physicians Committee at Responsible Medicine go there and, and, and get a lot of information from there. Were you at the Lifestyle Medicine Conference last year? No, I was not. I was not. One of the things is because I've been doing this since 2012 uh, and have been very busy, I really follow closely Dr. Greger, who's daily producing these great videos with, uh, that are all evidence-based. And so part, part of me was I, I felt like it might be a rehash, but I want to go there and I want to see it coming straight from the, uh, the most up-to-date version of everything that's been accumulated to make sure that uh, my, I'm at the tip of the spear. My husband also, you know, had been practicing for 20 years before he learned about plant-based nutrition. And we spend the last two to three years attending everything that we can attend. It's been a passion of mine to learn along with him. And so last year, we did go to the Lifestyle Medicine Conference. And I'll tell you, Dr. Harrington, out of all the things that I've attended, even the cruise, the Holistic Holiday at Sea cruise, the Lifestyle Medicine Conference to me is one of the best conferences, not only because of the community, you can connect with like-minded people, but the presentations were just excellent. We will also be attending the virtual conference this year for the for the lifestyle medicine. So great. I look forward yeah. to seeing you there. That's yeah. Awesome. And so uh, my other question was, so as we know, most physicians do not receive a lot of training in nutrition. So did you do the eCornell course out of curiosity? No, I haven't done uh, the courses. Like I said, I have been uh, I've been focused on this since 2012, doing my own research and highlighting. I, I stand on, I guess you could say, I stand on the shoulders of giants, you know, uh, reading all the books, you know, like Dr. Furman's Eat to Live, the Dr. Esselstyn's Reversing Heart Disease, you know, T. Colin Campbell's China Study. Uh, so none, none, of these, uh, none of these sort of ideas are my own, but there is such a, a cadre of the vegan royalty, I guess you could say, uh, and there's so many resources, and I just I just eat it up like my daily uh, you know daily food, daily medical uh, you know advice. So I really feel like I, I've embraced this uh, and gone full full hook line and sinker. Uh, one of the one of the things I find so frustrating is I thought by now by by Forks Over Knives happening and by the Game Changers and What the Health and all these movies that the adopters would have adopted this long time ago. And it, it's, uh, it's, it's just very impressive. Uh, so like I said, most people don't adopt something unless they see it around them, all their peers. It's kind of like how back in the 70s, the United States used to be a smoker's paradise. 
but now nobody smokes. So it takes it takes a tipping point for, for things like the social change. A while back, I interviewed a physician who's been vegan for 30 years. And so he also soaked up all of that from the pioneers in plant-based nutrition kind of is self-taught. And he said, um, I... I don't feel the need to write my own book. There are plenty of resources, like you said, plenty of books out there. I just send my patients that way. Actually, before we move on to nutrition, I wanted to kind of say again that uh, because COVID now, a lot of people have gone virtual. So meetings, consults, things are happening via Zoom. And now telemedicine is becoming um, a thing. So how can we encourage people who are interested in having a plant-based physician to sort of be comfortable with that transition of seeing their physician via telemedicine? Great question. There is, when, when a new technology comes out, you don't, people don't always adopt the technology. It's like uh, the coronavirus has nudged us this way. And uh, since I've been working with telemedicine for the last three years, uh, 100%, I, I really feel that the, the technology sells itself. As soon as somebody does a telemedicine visit, they can't believe that they ever, you know, rushed to a doctor's office, ever sat in a sick waiting room with people coughing on them, you know, was late to the appointment and had to pay a late fee and then, you know, going. So nowadays, telemedicine is just going to be the standard of care. So right now, it might seem some sort of, uh, you know, new fangled uh, technology, but the biggest complaint that people have about the idea of telemedicine is the exam. And for a primary care doctor, over the years, you know, you tended to think of a, a doctor coming to your house and listening to your heart and with a little black bag. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that, uh, those days are, of course, over. And then what happened, you know, you're in the, in the office and people are coming to you. And then once the electronic medical records happened, uh, the doctor's on the computer staring at the computer, typing in everything. And less and less exam actually happened and less and less laying on hands. And the doctors oftentimes rely on studies, you know, more sometimes in their own exam. And I know that that is somewhat, um, that sounds kind of depressing and the wrong way to go. But honestly, what does your primary care doctor do? He he or she educates you, uh, maybe gets you to see a specialist or writes for preventative care. And, And these things are totally doable through telemedicine. In the case of an urgent care situation, you're short of breath or uh, your child has a bad ear infection where, you know, you just can't look inside someone's ear on telemedicine without appropriate appropriate technology. If you're in this situation, urgent care is what you need. Well, woman care is best, you know, through GYN, obviously, you know, you need to have some doctors who are totally procedure based. And that's where uh, a primary care doctor can get you referred. So I think it's a it's all a win. Sure. And you mentioned that there are some limitations. So if a person has um, other conditions related to the heart, the lung, or even needing an ear exam, then you send them somewhere else. So you can't do that via telemedicine. Right. But that that's going to be a thing in the past as well. They're starting, um, the companies are developing devices that have an otoscope, you know, an ear checker, but that that goes to a device and uploads it to the internet or a, or a stethoscope that you can put on your chest. There's a company that I'm going to partner with in November. On November 1st, I'm going to be a preferred provider with a company called Taito Care. Taito Care creates, has a device that has uh, a device that can look inside your mouth, a stethoscope and an otoscope and uploads the images 
to uh, and the and the audio to to your doctor. That would be the uh, the last mile, I guess you could say, is using a device like this. And I will have coupons that I could give my patients for the device. Unfortunately, the device right now is about three hundred dollars. Uh, Taito Care Medical Home Kit, but uh, it is nice for the idea of a rural family who doesn't want to drive really far or something like that. They could get a kit like this and even deal with, we could deal with pneumonia and ear infections and throat infections and things like that. Definitely, yes. So I'm curious also to know with your past three years of experience practicing telemedicine, who are typically your patients and how do you work with patients that might have thyroid issues or diabetes? The patients I have as a family doc are from all walks of life. They're people who have a lot of resources and some that have very few resources. And especially in the military, we, we get access to people from all walks of life. So there, some of my patients are elite athletes, and some of them are highly sick. They have lots of medical problems. Some of them are uh, debilitated and can't go, can't make it. Some of them are housebound, can't actually make it out of their house. So it really, it, telemedicine really helps in terms of uh, thyroid care, in terms of diabetes care. These are all typical problems that your family doctor deals with. Mm -hmm. Blood pressure, thyroid, diabetes, uh, heartburn. You know, kidney stones, gout, arthritis, and, you know, these things are, are the typical. So I, I offer the standard of care and I, and I take them through the plant-based diet and trying to get them on board. Now, if I, I didn't always run vegan primary care and most of my patients were not vegan, you know, but just like the smoking situation, you don't throw your patient away because they smoke. You try to help them a lot on board. But hopefully with this, uh, it, it, people will be you know, ready for the message. They are going to vegan primary care. You know, so I, I, can, I can help them with the tips and tricks. Definitely. I feel that those individuals who are already vegan are a little bit more invested in their health. Uh, if they come to you as a patient, then they're more likely to be compliant in terms of what you preach about healthy plant-based foods. Um, okay, so I do have some questions related to plant-based nutrition. And again, we are of the mindset like you, you don't dispose of patients just because they're not 100% vegan. So we encourage people to just incorporate more plants into their diet. Uh, what would be the first animal based food that you would recommend people to just sort of minimize or let go of? Well, golly, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, choose between milk, eggs and meat. But uh, I would start with cheese and milk, because of the how you know high amount of saturated fat, the 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 antigenic the, the allergies that people develop, uh, kids getting anemia because of the what the what the milk the proteins in milk do to the brush border of the intestine, causing anemia, irritation, the hormones, the increased risk for breast cancer uh, and prostate cancer. So the number one is milk. I, I see a lot of children who seem older than they are going through early puberty. Uh, you wonder if it is the estrogens in the milk that comes from the pregnant, uh, the cows are producing milk even though they're pregnant. So I feel that the number one is that uh, because, because what do we eat? We uh, Americans eat a lot of chicken and they eat a lot of cheese on pizza. And I, I think both of these are, are harmful foods, but if you got rid of the cheese, you would be way ahead of the game just, just from that uh, food. 
I've heard people say also that when they stop consuming dairy, their asthma improved, skin conditions improved. People always worry about gluten sensitivity. How do you address that, the gluten sensitivity issues? I address it all the time in terms of, I, you know, I'm always answering this because there, this is a looming sort of question. And, and, and we know that there's celiac disease, so people are uh, gluten intolerant and, and allergic to it and have, have problems. From my experience, the people with full-blown celiac disease have uh, wasting and, and uh, you know, diarrhea and, 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 are, and are thin and, or, or have problems with that. And then there's this uh, the specter of, of sort of sort of the gray zone of gluten sensitivity and having maybe a bloating. And, and it is a thing. It is a, it is a true thing. And we have to accept it. And we have to meet it there. But it, it's actually not that hard to eliminate that from your diet and still have a, a semi-normal. If, if you eliminate the, uh, the wheat products, can, you can get along pretty well. I tell people, you know, if they're concerned at all, if they're concerned at all about it, go ahead and stop. I also run through a celiac workup on people. Uh, you could look for IgA antibodies, IgA, IgG antibodies in different labs, anti-glidian labs, that you can try to uh, diagnose that. And uh, the gold standard is a colonoscopy and getting uh, biopsies. But if, if patients come to me and are really concerned about that, I have no problem uh, encouraging them to do an elimination diet and then maybe do a, a gluten challenge and seeing if it, if it does. And is it placebo effect or is it, is it a true thing? Uh, that, that can sometimes be difficult, but uh, I, I say go for it. I guess say go for it and try because some people have problems. Yes. And actually, when you mentioned labs, that was one of my questions was, if I um, come to you and I'm interested in having you as my physician, what would be the first step? Great, great. So this question uh, is, okay, telemedicine, what happened if I saw you? What would you do on your first visit? Uh, what, what would happen? Well, yeah, we, we'd, get, we'd, we'd meet each other, we'd have a first visit, and I would, I would uh, have uh, you sign some paperwork so that I could get medical records from your last doctor. We could, uh, if you had problems like diabetes, tend, we tend, we draw blood work. Uh, if we have an office and we were blood, brick and mortar office, we would do blood work for diabetes. We would follow your hemoglobin A1C. Uh, if you had a thyroid problem, we would follow your TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone. And we would meet you back. And uh, through, I'm, I'm connected with an EMR called Athena Health. And just like all the other EMRs, they have a patient portal. So and when we order the labs, the lab would come back to the patient portal. The patient would be able to review it themselves. And then we would, we would discuss, maybe have a follow-up appointment to discuss, just like you would with a brick-and-mortar doctor. Awesome. And do you partner with anyone else in terms of like a registered dietitian? Or uh, I know that you're in sort of solo practice, but do you collaborate with other people? We are still early here. You know, this is still, this is our first week, honestly, with, the, with vegan primary care. And that's our intent. Our intent is to develop a group of telemedicine doctors who can provide consults uh, so that we can be 100% telemedicine. With, when you have, the, you need to have a certain brick and mortar aspect for procedure-based procedure -based, uh, specialties. But there are doctors out there who are uh, specialty-based, but they, because of COVID, they're at home and they, are, they can offer consults and can discuss and it all depends on how many licenses they have. So 
we're just starting out and that's the goal. The goal is to find a group of plant-based, like-minded doctors who are willing to take telemedicine consults and that, that will be down the pike real soon. Actually, if we can touch um, on licensing, because I did have that question as well. So there are some physicians that have been in practice for quite a while and yet only hold licenses in one or two states. How does that work? How difficult is it to expand to other states in the, in the country? It is kind of a pain in, in terms of the requirements are kind of annoying. You know, you got to get fingerprinted and you, you know, you have, they, they, ask for your employment history from, you know, like when you were born and all the way up. And, and so you might have to uh, get references from people from 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And so it is difficult, but it's, it's just the way of the future. And, and doctors, if they haven't already, they're starting to get their uh, other licenses in, in the in states. They'll start with the states that are most populated and, and go along. Uh, currently in COVID right now, some states are having a reciprocity where they'll give you a temporary license and they'll, they'll set you up. Uh, so that, that's something that's going on right now. Currently, you know, several of my licenses are through the temporary, uh, you know, but the majority, the vast majority are through uh, the, the standard licensing. Well, that sounds like a, a wonderful thing that um, it's becoming a little bit more available. People that have heard the message that food can be medicine are starting to sort of make that change during this COVID time, you know, especially um, when we were all in quarantine and kind of forced to cook at home. <laughs> there are more and more people that contact me and tell me that they've lowered their our blood pressure, they've improved the cholesterol, lost weight, have more energy. And those are the people that I think would want a physician like yourself. They are already on board. They just need the physician to also be on board and to encourage them. Absolutely. How cool would it be if you wanted to get some labs, but you didn't want to go to the office, you could sign in. I do want to highlight that people can contact me as a consult. They just want to talk about, uh, you know, some choices they made with vegan lifestyle. They want to know, you know, what my recommendations might be about a specific thing. They can just call in for a consult and they don't have to sort of burn any bridges with any of their local providers or anything like that. Yes. Okay. That's a good point. And can we also mention um, insurance companies and how that's going? So this has been a, 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 an eye-opener for me, getting insurance companies. Uh, the, the doctors that I, the, the company that I worked with before did all this for me. And, and we had the, we had the benefit of time and I'm, through the company, I'm, I have insurance in all 50 states. <laughs> but but uh, when I start your own business, you have to reapply. And so they, I've been doing this now for three months. And right now, the only one that's uh, on board right now is Medicare, unfortunately. But I have applications out with Aetna, which should be in six weeks. Uh, Cigna, same thing, six weeks. Humana, Blue Cross Blue Shield, WellCare. And so I'm adding these, adding these uh, as time goes by, but unfortunately it's been slower than uh, I'd like, uh, but I'm not going anywhere. So uh, I, I will be, I'll be adding these insurance companies like feathers in my hat. And, and uh, I will, uh, you just watch my, my site, my Facebook site, Vegan Primary Care, and I'll, I'll set up alerts to when, as soon as I get new uh, insurance coming in. That's wonderful to hear. And I do have a couple more um, questions about nutrition. Can you give us some tips on how one can lower their blood pressure at home just with using food? Blood pressure, very uh, common topic. The One of the things that everyone hears about is salt. 
so there are things like canned soups or processed foods that tend to have a lot of salt and you, you, you know, you're going to want to focus on that. When you switch to a whole food plant-based diet and, and it's not something that has a ton of additives that your, your salt, your overall salt intake goes way down, especially some uh, meats have actual salt in them as well. Even chicken cheese is very salty. That's another thing. So, but one of the problems when you eat a high protein diet, high animal protein diet, it's almost like a filtrate that the body's dealing with is high protein and through the, through the kidneys. When you, when you start to go low protein, low animal protein, low fat, the viscosity of the blood decreases. So these are things that help with blood pressure. One of the biggest problems and one of the biggest reasons to have a, a, a vegan doctor is, is coming off your medicines. And how do you know when to stop? Because if you're taking blood pressure medicines and you're starting to eat this way, you start to get dizzy because you get the side effects of the, of the blood pressure medicines. So sometimes people have to cut their medicines in half or stop them altogether if they're becoming too dizzy. Right. That, and that was sort of like one of my earlier questions was when you have such conditions like that, and we know that whole plant-based foods can quickly kind of help remedy that, how do you monitor that just to make sure that their medication gets adjusted as needed? Well, we don't have continuous uh, web monitoring. That is kind of the wave of the future. Uh, there are companies that are doing that where the, the, the patient does... Uh, it does like their glucometer and then the, the doctor will see it automatically, automagically. We're not there yet, uh, but that, that, will, that will come in the future, I believe. Uh, patients are educated on how to, to monitor it if they're, if they're going too low with their blood sugar, they're you know, back off. We, you can do a protocol where if they're taking daily uh, long-acting uh, uh, long insulin uh, to be able to wean back uh, themselves. You know, every six weeks we might do blood blood work if we were made of uh, a, a drastic change. But mm -hmm. most of this stuff can be monitored by the patient at home. You know, diabetes, diabetics have a glucometer and people with blood pressure have their own blood pressure cuff. These are cheap now. You can get them for $35. And, and you can monitor your own blood pressure. If you're getting dizzy, you simply decrease the med. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I uh, answered specifically, how, how would people get in touch with me to let, you know, let them know there's a change? With a portal uh, and with any of these electronic medical records, they have a portal and you have direct access to the doctor through messaging. And you just, uh, a patient could put in a, a question and we could make direct feedback right there. So that once, once you get a relationship with the doctor, once, for instance, if you came in with vegan primary care, you'd have access to that and we could go back and forth. Thank you for mentioning that. And can we talk about how important it is for us to optimize our health right now? I'm glad you mentioned that because with COVID, we kind of feel powerless. And, and other than the idea of social distancing and wearing a mask and washing your hands and, and making the right decisions about places that you go that may not include lots of, lots of interactions, by going on a plant-based diet, it, it, it is, is, is kind of pouring some of that psychic you know, anxiety, some of that energy into something, doing something about it. If you're putting your best foot forward with the diet that you're, that you're eating, uh, certainly a diet high in fruits and vegetables are going to have the phytochemicals and the nutrients that are just going to be the best diet to help prevent disease. Yes. Are there any foods that you recommend that we eat now just to kind of improve our immune system? I saw this great video by Dr. Greger with nutritionfacts.org where he was talking about 
prevention of upper respiratory infections with uh, intake of mushrooms, mushrooms, increasing your uh, antibodies of your mucous membranes. It was a way they did a quarter cup of mushrooms, whether it was uh, white mushrooms, white button mushrooms, shiitake, uh, portobello, any, any of the typical mushrooms they studied would actually increase your antibodies at your mucous membrane. So I think that's a, that's a win-win uh, because mushrooms are very healthy for you. And they, they all, I guess they'll increase your, your antibodies at your uh, mucous membranes. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So there's the allium vegetables. You wonder if, if that's going to help uh, like garlic and onions, but um, you know, Dr. Furman's G bombs, greens, beans, onions, and mushrooms, berries, and seeds. These are the foods that contain the most nutrient density. And so that's why he recommends that you include these every day. Wonderful. And is there anything else you'd like to tell us that I might have missed? You know, Dr. Furman has G-bombs. I, I, I came up with this thing about when you're trying to figure out what to eat for dinner. You know, it's, uh, I, you've heard of Taco Tuesday. Well, I kind of expanded that. And I say, well, manja Monday, manja Monday, have some Italian food, you know, spaghetti with veggies instead. Uh, there's various Mediterranean food, you know, Greek, and, and there's, there's lots of options, falafel and hummus, and there's, you could use that for Monday, manja Monday. Taco Tuesday, Mexican, uh, you can make them totally plant-based. Uh, Wednesday is Wok Wednesday. So Asian food of all types of varieties is very, very healthy, rice with veggies. Thursday, we have Thanksgiving Thursday, Thanksgiving Thursday. Think about the side dishes at a Thanksgiving meal, uh, the cranberry sauce and roasted root vegetables. And, and uh, these, this kind of the garnishes, you could have mashed potatoes. Friday is fun food Friday where you could barbecue. You could have a, uh, some sort of vegan, vegan uh, frozen meals or uh, substitute foods if you're kind of busy on Friday. I call Saturday social Saturday or soul food Saturday where uh, you go through casseroles and uh, soul food. You can make soul food uh, vegan. There's Tabitha Brown and she's doing a lot of great things. And so there, there's Saturday and then Sunday, I call it soup or bowl Sunday, soup or bowl Sunday. So you come up with the ones that you can eat throughout the week uh, as, as leftovers like vegan chili uh, there are the um, shepherd's pie that you can make with lentils. There's so many options. I really feel like with, with vegan food, it's opening you up so you're not just eating chicken, steak, or pork chops. You actually have so many more options. It really opens you up. You know, I, I really like that. What do you call uh, those recommendations, Dr. Harrington's weekday meals? Or <laughs> hashtag Dr. Harrington's oh. meals. I don't know. <laughs> call it my uh, weekly meal planner uh, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you something it's just something I try to give people an idea because a lot of times you, you, you sort of you get into your old habits if you could just turn your foods that you normally ate that were uh, that were not plant-based you can oftentimes turn them into uh, plant-based foods uh, or, or sometimes if you have a, a, a recalcitrant uh, family member who's sticking to their guns and doesn't want to sh switch. You can have a little bit of meat and put it on in like in a, in like a stir fry veggies. You can still add a little meat for them and, and otherwise go plant-based. Don't make that as an excuse. Maybe you can do it as a challenge on social media. All right. All right. I love it. I think we kind of sort of have covered how people could switch over or, you know, become a patient of yours. They would just simply go to your website. Uh, just go to veganprimarycare.com. 
you, and you can hit book appointment. If you're on a desktop, you'll see the book appointment sign. If you don't see the book appointment sign, click the menu and you'll see portal. You sign up for, to be a patient on the portal. And once you're in the portal, you can make appointments and we can, we can message back and forth. And I, I really look forward to it. I look forward to your good health and, uh, you know, take back your health, come see Dr. Harrington and I'll be your vegan doctor. Thank you so much for really creating this program. Someone who encourages us to eat more plants is what we're looking for. So thank you so much. And I appreciate you taking your time to be on our show. Thank you again. Thank you, Maya. Appreciate it. So what do you guys think about the future of telemedicine? Do you feel a little more comfortable about choosing a vegan doctor who is available in the comforts of your own home and who also is on the same page about nutrition? Let me know in the comments below. And again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Plant-Based DFW podcast show. If you like our content, please like, share, and leave a review. Our goal is to provide quality episodes to help support the community.